Yes, congratulations, Ash. Thanks, Nicole and Ashley, for joining us on the Regional Football Hub. We're certainly glad to have you here to share some stories about your football journey. And it'll be the first time we have more than one guest in our show. So welcome. And hopefully you guys are handling um, isolation well. How's, how's things going for you both in isolation? Thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Um, for me, life hasn't changed too much. I still have to go to work and then just hang out by myself at home uh, afterwards. But yeah, it's been good so far. Yeah, we've just been. I've just been working from home all the time, so a bit cooped up. But there's a oval just down the road for me, so can get out and go for a run and all that kind of jazz, which helps helps a lot. So what do you both do that means you're essential workers for? Because we're non-essential workers, so we're not currently working. Yeah, that sucks for you guys. <laughs> um, I, I'm a legal assistant, so um, yeah, the the firm I work for is still mainly paper-based, so they've been having us come in, you know, at, at the start it was every couple of days and we'd work from home every other day. Um, but now life is, most of the office is back on board. Yeah, and I, I work for the government in, in the Department of Agriculture, so keep rolling. Excellent. Obviously you started your football careers in Dubbo. Which clubs did you guys play for while you were there? Uh, we started with uh, SAS Strikers. When we were about 12, I think it was. After, yeah. yeah, about end of primary school. Um, played for them all through the junior groups and then switched over to try and play for the Dubbo Bulls in the uh, Premier League, Western Premier League. And I think we played a season for Rangers, a couple of seasons for Rangers in the Women's Premier League there. Yeah, so a couple of clubs around Dubbo, but mainly I'd say SAS is our main, SAS Strikers are our main junior club. What did you do before 12? We did uh, little athletics, tennis, any running around the backyard, anything that was active. I think um, I think we mum made us. Oh, we did indoor soccer for a season as well. Yeah, mum uh, was pretty keen on us playing tennis and athletics, so she made a she made a rule that we couldn't uh, play soccer until we play a game of tennis against her. <laughs> and, <laughs> Looking back, it probably would have been a smarter option money-wise if we went into tennis, but I don't know why. <laughs> did you have to win the tennis game before you could play football? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fix my serve before I can do that. Yeah, serve and volley. <laughs> yeah. What, who would be the biggest influences when you are in Dubbo in your football early starts? And then who, who was your biggest influences in your football when you made the transition to go from Dubbo? Yeah. Um, I think when we started playing football, we had one of our coaches, because we were from a small town um, outside of Dubbo, uh, one of our athletics coaches was the coach there as well and some friends played. Uh, Cole Berry and the Berry family helped us out and got us involved. And he was a great coach to start with, um, you know, your first few seasons of football. And we kind of knew a few of the guys on the team as well. And, and Cole always encouraged... Um, girls to play in the team, which it wasn't uncommon back then, but it was nice to go into an environment where you were welcomed. Um, so he probably really gave us our start. Um, and we'd always, when we were watching, you know, I think it was SBS, like the world game, you'd always get like a bit of Sunday football watching. Um, like for me, I loved Ryan Giggs for Man United. Watching him was really, um, yeah, was probably one of my inspirations trying to be a winger. Yeah, it's hard because we didn't necessarily grow up in a 
football family. Like we were just kind of all sports all the time, anything we could play, um, rugby and rugby league and that kind of stuff we're, we're on more than soccer was. Um, so I feel like I've got a lot of um, mentors, you know, in the professional space when I was growing up that weren't necessarily soccer, but I learned a lot from on how to be a good teammate and how to, how to put in and, and learn just how to compete as well from watching those people, which I think influenced maybe my football career in the long run, in the long run rather than those early soccer days. I know I grew up um, having a big rivalry with my brothers. Um, how did that go between you two? <laughs> I don't think it can be understated, the competition between the two of us. <laughs> if anyone's been on the sidelines with one of our games, especially if we're playing on the same side of the pitch, there's probably a few choice words said. Um, yeah, I, I can't even remember what we were like playing together as kids, like growing mm. up. But I know by the time like we were playing for Cambria United together for a few years, a coach thought it would be a really good idea to put us both on the left side together. And apparently you could see from the stands the death stairs going back and forth. <laughs> but, yeah, I think at one training, you know, if, if I, she, cause she's a left back, I was a right left winger. We'd come up against each other a few times and, uh, yeah, there's been a few times you had to be separated. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, backyard battles from when you were younger? Yeah, some really good backyard battles. And, like, it's, all, it, it's, it's good to look back on and laugh about. Yeah. But it probably served, like, it's probably the best thing ever when you're growing up to have someone to push you along the whole time. Like, if I could see Nick was out doing something, I'd think, you know, maybe I'll do the same thing or, or we'd be bugging each other to go out for a kick or whatever it is. And just getting that, that nature of competitiveness, I think, has really been really helpful. You sort of touched on it. Do you think it helped develop? you as both as footballers being able to have that rivalry yeah 100 percent. yeah without a doubt because you've always got some it's not like a big uh, older brother or sister versus a younger one there's no there was no like size advantage or speed advantage or anything like that it was just like mano y mano and let's go and compete and you had to use your head to try and beat beat the other person if we're playing one-on-one in the backyard or anything like that you know definitely I mean, there's been plenty of tough times where you hate that competition, you hate being compared to, like, being compared to Ash. Like, you know, why don't you dribble and take people on the same way Ash does, all that kind of jazz, which makes you feel bad about it. But when you look about it, back on it now, I don't think I'd be the player I was without the, without the competition I had growing up. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. It, it, it just drives you. And then the other part is not only are you always competing, you always have someone to share the experience with like for most of our careers we were playing on the same teams or um yeah competing for the same teams and it's always good you know you're competing against each other but you're also having that shared experience and you know once you walk off the pitch later on when you know you've cooled down or whatever you can have a chat about what each other are doing and you know help each other out if you want to as well yep and through your junior career, did you play most of your football in just with the girls or did you play with the boys as well? Uh, we played almost exclusively with boys um, until we... We played one season when they tried to get the Women's Premier League going in Dubbo. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, we played exclusively with boys until we um, basically joined Cambria United. 
until oh. like 16, 17. Yeah. Apart from maybe a couple of rep teams, but the club stuff was all boys. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you think that helped, again, helped develop where you got to? Yeah, 100%. Um, and nothing but welcome from the guys all through growing up as well. So I think when you're out there and you play on the, on the same on the same field in the same terms, you treat each each other with respect. I think it's nothing but good for everyone involved. Like you learn how to play against each other, and I think it made a massive difference in my development. And even when I um, when we moved to Canberra and between season, between W League seasons, I kept playing in the men's Premier League comp down here rather than playing the women's just because you get tested in different ways and um, could develop in a different way than I w- would have if I was playing in the Women's Premier League here. Yeah. For like, like, for example, we're both quite fast. So as soon as you st- when you're a bit older and you start playing against boys and they're all faster than you, whereas in the women's game, I, I felt like most of the time I could run past almost anyone else on the field. <laughs> so then your game gets pretty easy, kick it past them and run. But um, when you're playing against the boys, um, it's really good to have to try and rely on something else in your game and it just adds a few strings to your bow, really. But, like, when we were kids growing up, yeah, I I don't think I would have had it any other way. Yeah, I loved playing with the boys. I think think it's a common trend with those that have made it to that high level. Most of them have the same answer. They grew up playing with the boys to, to develop their skills and that's what got them there, so... And, and like, don't get me wrong, like, you think now there's a lot more options for girls to play in girls-only football as well. And I think it's great for people to have that that option or girls, because not everyone wants to be a Matilda, you know. <laughs> Some people just want to play for fun. So it's, it's nice now that, you know, the ones that are, the girls that are in there just for fun can play in the girls. Or if you want to have fun and you want to play with the boys, you can do that too. I guess, what did you guys do outside of structured football um, to improve your football, I guess? Like outside of structured, like team training? Yeah, outside of training and games and just at home in the backyard or? Um, Well, we were also doing athletics up until we were like 17 as well. So little athletics. Um, And that was was always good because we'd be doing training for that during summer. Um, And that's like, that was a lot of sprint training. and we'd always be having kicks in the yard. <laughs> At one stage, our our dad, because he got sick of us kicking the ball against the side of the house or whatever, or the trampoline or anything, he he built us this like kicking wall out the backyard because um, we're on a farm, so we could kick against that. And mainly, like, because physical action, once I started developing and getting picked for um, like state teams or regional teams. I realised that the physical aspect of the game was easy for me, but the skills weren't. So I'd always be out there trying to improve on that, you know, doing juggling, dribbling, anything, anything that would help me get better. So tell us about the journey from Dubbo to Canberra United. Did that happen? What was involved in, in that occurring? Um, I'd say it's fairly fortunate in some in some respects, and I think uh, parts of everyone's journey is always going to be fortunate. Um, we uh, were trying out, we are playing double rep, and we tried out for Western um, for the state titles and didn't make the team. Um, and so someone broke their leg or something like that before the tournament. And so Ash got an injury reserve call up, and I was refereeing at that tournament because it was in Dubbo. And... Uh, someone saw Ash 
playing for Western and was impressed and then heard that there was me as well. And so um, he got me behind a goal to have a kick while other <laughs> games were, were going on. And then from there, we both got picked for country New South Wales trials. And again, a bit of luck, but um, when we were at Valentine Sports Park, it happened to be that the young Matildas coach, Alan Stadgick, and the Matildas coach at the time, Tom Samani, was there. And we did fitness testing and sprint testing on the first day, and they were so shocked by the results of the sprint test in particular that they called us down to the RAS um, to be part of a Matildas camp. And... Yeah, you probably remember the story a bit more than me about when they gave the home phone a call. And it was kind of out of the blue too, wasn't it? Because we, we'd only just started getting or going for and getting picked for those regional teams and the state teams. And I remember watching, we were sitting there watching TV after school one day and mum came in and said, oh, this lady said, I've got Tom from like the AIS and he said they want to speak to you. I was like, mum, that's Tom Samani, the Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> get them back on the phone now <laughs> and from there we kind of yeah we walked straight into a Matilda's camp and they did test uh, some more sprint testing I think the I think legend goes that there was a few cases of beer on how fast we could run <laughs> uh, and that, that first that first camp was a certainly a shock to the system and um, I think from there we kind of got we got picked up on the radar and given a few opportunities to, to progress and, and it was just so happened that W League started up around that same time, about 2008, and we got um, picked up by Robbie Hooker, who was the assistant coach for the Matildas at the time. We can only make the most opportunities and we certainly grabbed uh, with both feet, let's say. So. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that my uh, technical ability was up to scratch for that first Matilda's camp. <laughs> you both played W League and also overseas. What were the biggest differences you found from playing overseas to playing in Australia? Um, I think uh, because I had a few seasons of W League under my belt before I went to overseas. So my first overseas opportunity was in Japan. Um, so you go from eventually, you know, first few years developing and eventually getting comfortable in the style of play that the W League has, which I would say is uh, was probably most similar to the American League. It, it's very, it was very reliant on um, physical attributes. And then developing game plan, plans and, and some talented uh, players as well. But um, going for me, going to Japan, it was a whole new world, like completely different style of play. Um, they're very technical and they like to play. Like and even their training sessions are such, so differently structured. You know, we'd be out there for maybe four or five hours sometimes, <laughs> just mm-hmm. lots of little drills and repetition, repetition, repetition of skills-based things and, and and I found it quite difficult in Japan to read read the game. It seemed like everyone else knew where the ball was going except me. Which <laughs> barrier thing as well, but um, it, it was, it's all, I think, I think going overseas is great because you get a, an opportunity to see a different style of play and you realise that there's a, there's a different way of doing things. Um, Nick? Oh, yeah, I first went to Sweden as my um, first international and only international experience in the end. 
Um, and I think that the biggest thing that stood out was the opportunity to be fully professional while I was there, whereas playing W League here, I was still working and doing university at the same time to make ends meet. And so going to Sweden, I got to fully, like only football all the time. So I could train, go to the gym, um, have an individual session and train with the team at night as well. So it's, it's, it's interesting the different perspective and the different things you can learn when you're fully immersed in that as a player, um, which was really advantageous. Um, and obviously, like Ash said, learning a different style of play is um, challenging, but I think overall it's good, good for your football experience to be able to get different styles of play. So you're not always just stuck playing 4-3-3 or something like that. We're always playing in the same position. Um, like when I was in Sweden, I got moved up front again, which I hadn't played for a long time. <laughs> so it gave me a chance to um, work on that different skill set as well. Yeah. And then I ended up getting to play for the Portland Thorns in the US. I don't know if you, how familiar you guys are with the Thorns there, but they um, are probably one of the premier uh, women's clubs in the world. And this, the setup there was just insane. Like they, they get sold out like 25,000 crowds season average is up around 19,000 people and and we were lucky enough to win the championship the year that I was there and and just the way that that club treats uh, runs itself treats its players both the men and the women's side is you know compared to you know where we are at in the W League at this stage um as well as getting to play with some of the best players in the world, like Amandine Henri, uh, Christine Sinclair. Um, it, it was just insane to get to play with them and, and watch them in training. And that's the other benefit from getting to go play overseas. You get to experience that sort of thing, as well as see how other clubs and organisations run things. We speak about so many highs in your football career. Obviously, there'd be the lows and some challenges that both of you faced. Um, can you go through some of the toughest challenges you faced throughout your career? Yeah, um, there's plenty of them, which I think is uh, inherent in being uh, an elite footballer. It's always easy to talk about the highs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you get used to um, tough, tough discussions and tough feedback as you go along. It's never easy to start but I think you you get to reflect on yourself a fair bit um, which not everyone's ready to do all the time but yeah my one of my toughest ones was when I was in Sweden the club ran into some financial trouble Um, so they had to cancel my contract and send me home which was um, really disappointing at the time and I was still pretty young I guess so it hit pretty hard so coming back and feeling like I had something to prove Um, in those few years and there's plenty of times I never ended up making an A cap with the Matildas which was obviously plenty of times that was hard to take Um, but then you just got to keep keep going and try and control what you can control and focus on yourself I think in those situations yeah oh yeah totally over (laughs) (laughs) um uh, yeah, for me, like Nick said, there's always those moments of doubt that you have in your mind and, and times where you don't get picked for stuff. And, like, I, you know, we both got picked up for the Matildas in 2008 and in camps and junior Matildas and that sort of thing. And then I think there was, like, a five-year stretch, six years even, where I didn't get a cap for the Matildas and I eventually started thinking that it probably wasn't going to happen again for me. And I guess... What I would always fall back on is um, 
just keep just keep trying just keep working hard and you know it, it'll come or it won't but um I was going to say the thing at the end is when I reflect on my football career, despite the highs and despite the lows, the journey and the progress that you have along the way is what probably brought me the most amount of joy. Yeah, when you look back on it, it certainly looks a lot. You learn learn stuff from the hard times. Like, um, yeah, like when I was in Japan, it was an awesome experience. Um, Living there, you get immersed in the culture, but... There were moments where I thought, what the hell am I doing here? Why, why did I come here? Um, you know, I had an opportunity at that time to go somewhere else, a pro club somewhere else, and I decided to go to Japan. And, and you know, there were times where the field, we were training on dirt, clay fields, we were training in the dark, we were training, you know, it was snowing. Did you have to, like, get water off the field with, like, a cone or something like that? Yeah, there was a time where we first... <laughs> <laughs> when I first got there, we uh, we got to train on the grass for the first time, a grass field for the first time in like two months. Um, and we turned up, and it had been raining all night. It was next to a river, and I th- and the, there was like this much water on the ground. And I thought, oh, the game's cooled off. <laughs> we can't do this. Everyone jumped out of their cars and started like getting whatever would carry water, like plastic bags. <laughs> like everything and like scooping it up and carrying it to the side of the field and then we line marked the field after all that but I just remember holding my traffic cone uh, full of water <laughs> and uh, like sobbing because I was just like why did I come here <laughs> what am I doing I just want to go half I think I think the coach got embarrassed by me and sent me to the car to cry by myself <laughs> um and I think I was sitting in the car, I think I called my partner, Rob, and said, I'm going home. I'm coming back to Australia. This is it. But managed to stick it out for another, another um, for the rest of the season. And, and there's plenty of good stories in there. But, like, that one in particular, sometimes you, you kind of sit there and think, what have I done? <laughs> you were both a part of the um, inaugural W League season with Canberra. What was that experience like? It was pretty insane. And I think we, we went all the way to the grand final that year. And I think it was still pretty early on. And I, and I was, what were we, were we 16? Yeah. We were 16 and I, I just couldn't, we were trying to do school at the same time. And, and I just, I think it was all, a, everything was a surprise to me. Like, I remember that same, not, not long before that season started, we went, on a tour with the like promising Matildas and halfway through someone told me that we get paid a daily wage to be there and I was so shocked <laughs> that we get paid we get to go to Vietnam play football for Australia and we get paid this is amazing and I think the same thing was happening with the W League telling me I get to play football in the National League it's on TV I'm traveling all around Australia you know we got a bunch of Matildas in, in the team um, and it was it was kind of like a whirlwind first season for me. Yeah, I don't really remember much of it to be honest. I was just happy to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> twenty fourteen, that's a massive year. Um, a screamer against Perth to book your team a spot in finals. Uh, two goals in the grand final. You won the championship. Player of the grand final, and then that goal to end up being awarded goal of the year. Um, yeah. how, how would you sum that year up? 
Nicole just rolled her eyes like she's heard this story about 25 times from <laughs> I don't know, Nick would probably remember it differently. Oh, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe he pulled it off. It was pretty crazy. Those, those few weeks were pretty crazy. I, I remember it was a tough season for Canberra United. Like, um, not everything went smoothly and, and that's the sort of thing that you don't see, get to hear about or see very often behind the scenes. So I just remember being so determined to not lose. <laughs> like, it's the game against Perth, you know, Sam, Sam Kerr was having a blinder of a season. She was running riot over most of the competition and has been since. <laughs> and I just remember being so... And there are a couple of players on the Perth team that I was really keen to, to beat. <laughs> um, so being able to score that goal in front of a, a big home crowd was pretty pretty cool. And then uh, uh, there was no way we were going to lose that grand final in my mind. No, we had a really good side that year. And I, I was um, I knew from the start that we had a side good enough to win the title. Yeah. And it was just about making it all work at once. So. Even in that first game before Ash scored that screamer, I still was confident that we were going to somehow win and get through. And then we had to go through penalties against Melbourne and then fly over to Perth for the championship game. So, I mean, we did it the hard way, but I think the whole time we knew we had the team to, to do really well. You know, when they talk about being in the zone, I think for me that grand final was was it. And maybe it came from a place of anger at the time, but <laughs> it certainly worked. <laughs> and like, you know, we gave away a penalty. Like, we gave every opportunity to get back in the game after taking an early lead. And I just remember being on the pitch and thinking to myself, like, this is not this is not going to happen. They're not going to come back from this. Like, I'm going to make sure we win. <laughs> I guess fast forward a couple of years and then you guys ended up both um, retiring, especially a bit early. What led to that decision? Um, for me, I'd been captain for a couple of years by that point of Canberra and I wasn't quite making it where I wanted to in the Matildas and I'd finished university and that kind of stuff. So I was in limbo, I guess, um, without a contract in the Matildas, it makes it hard because you're only, um, you only get paid per, um, camp that you attend. So you really rely on that selection and it didn't really seem to be panning out for me. So I made a decision to start working full-time instead. Um, and then just I wasn't getting the joy out of football that I had been for a while. And I think that was because a little bit because of the captaincy, a little bit because of the ongoing disappointment from not getting selected and just, you know, a bit tired, I guess, after playing for a long, for 10 years at the top level there. So, yeah, just took a couple of, couple of years off, completely away from football, Went travelling overseas for a year um, and, and just now getting back into coaching and probably playing this year as well. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes you just you just know when, when your time's your time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, me, um, yeah, I had a couple of years. I made the tough decision to step aside from the Matildas um, in 2016 and 2015, 2016, and that was really hard. You know, you talk about tough moments in, in your career. That was one of them. And 
the fact that I never got myself back to a spot where I felt comfortable going back into the Matildas um, is, is disappointing. Is well, probably one of my disappointments with the game. <coughs> Excuse me. But, yeah, eventually I made the choice to just to retire because I wasn't enjoying it as much as I had before. And there's not, you know, the women's games progressed a lot, but not to the point where you stay in it like it's a job. Um, if it's still a passion project for me at that time and if I wasn't getting the joy out of it and the goals out of it that I had set for myself early in the career, my career, I decided it was time to focus on, you know, um, staying at home, earning some money. <laughs> it's <laughs> always know, important. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then you returned for five games a bit later on. <laughs> How'd that come about? Rubber, rubber, rubber arm over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heather Garriott's very convincing. <laughs> um, no, I was doing some assistant coaching with, with Heather and the team at, at Canberra United. Um, and we just had a really terrible run of injuries and um, and a few players leaving the squad. Um, and she was, she was begging, well, she was begging me all off season as well <laughs> to play again. <laughs> She just, uh, I guess, wore me down and I thought, well, I'll be available for selection if you need me. So she put me on the bench for a few games. I'll tell you what, when you're out of the game for a little while and you try to go back into it, you realise how fit you used to be. <laughs> <laughs> so how's post-football been from playing? Yeah, good. Um, I'm really enjoying the, the routine of, you know, it's crazy. I would never have thought of saying this back when I was a player, but I'm enjoying the work routine of, you know, nine to five. You can do what you want with your time outside of that. You can eat what you like. You can <laughs> what you like. You can drink what you like. It's just a bit more relaxed um, lifestyle. Yeah. So, you know, nothing too exciting for me. Uh, there was grand plans to do a marathon this year, but that's kind of been uh, squashed. <laughs> oh. It wasn't because of the training either, was it, actually? It was just kind no, of... No, I couldn't possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you both find um, your, your varying levels of being involved in coaching since you stopped playing? I've only been involved in community coaching so far, but I, I think that's the way I wanted it to be when I first came back into the game, is to give back a little bit. Yep. I've really, really enjoyed it. Like, it's so rewarding to see... Um, the team progress and individuals progress and be able to be part of something where everyone's growing as a group. So, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to keep being involved and I'm going to do my um, – I started my C licence previously but never finished it, so I'm going to start doing my coaching licences over the next little bit, yeah. Yeah, I had, um, yeah, that opportunity with Cambry United and before that I was doing some – I was – game development manager at Capital Football. So I was doing a bit of stuff with our disability squads and um, holiday clinics and school clinics and that sort of thing. And they're really, it's really enjoyable, but I'm sure, I'm sure all you guys know, <laughs> having done some coaching and working in football, how much time and effort it takes. Um, so, you know, something that I probably never really appreciated as a player is, you know, the coaches are there before you are. They're there after you're there and they're doing all the preparation beforehand. So it, it's, um, I love I love the puzzle that coaching creates. You know, how can I get the best out of 
the 20 players, say, in my squad um, and help them develop as individuals and as a group, um, all working towards a common goal. I love that puzzle and that thought process. Um, it's just, you know, time consuming. <laughs> it's not a nine to five job, I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Who were some of the best players you played with and, and which of the players probably had the most influence on you as a player? Tough one. Yeah. I think the best player I played with, uh, like I, I love other strikers. It's probably Christine Sinclair. She's Canadian captain, yeah. Portland. Um, watching her and her craft, she, like she's now in her 30s. Um, She's athletic, but not as athletic as you'd imagine. And just the way, you know, in training, whenever we're doing, you know, finishing drills, shooting, anything, she always just, she would get it on target, you know, 90% of the time, 95% of the time. And if you're hitting the target that consistently, eventually plenty are going to go in. And I think she has the all-time international scoring record now, which is proof of that. It's really, it was really special to watch her and her craft. When we were younger, I don't know, Sally Shippard, you, know, you guys would always be, all be familiar with. Um, yeah, she was really impressive. Um, do you have anyone that you would think of as like the ultimate professional? As when we played with yeah. him? Because we played with Ariana Higst, who um, was a German national team player. And when she, by the time she came to the W League, it was kind of like a um, farewell tour almost for her. Like she was professional or like switched on or committed as what she had been previously. But from when you go back and look when she was playing for the German national team, you can understand why she wanted to relax a little bit when she came to us. Because like as far as what she achieved and the hours that she put in and the amount that um, she gave up to play the game is just incredible. And, like, I think they, they're they the only team that's gone through a World Cup without conceding a goal in her German national team, which is – and she's a centre-back. So, um, yeah, I think she's probably up there as one of the most decorated and professional players I've played with. Mm. Um, and there's always players that help you along the way as a, as a young player that you always look up to and respect for what they did for you and, you know, you know, you always get little tidbits of information. Um, I remember playing against Thea Slatcher in our first year of Canberra United. She's Matilda's centre-back and she's like, I don't know, six foot tall, seven foot eight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and she used to come up against me at training and she just would say, you know, I'm going to kick you today and I'm going to push you around and you're going to learn that you don't want to get close to, me, to people like me in the, on the field. So then she'd help me try and like work out how to beat her and and that sort of thing, which was really it's really helpful as a player to learn that sort of thing and have someone who's focusing not only on themselves and their game but helping other people. Um, yeah. I was going to say Caitlin Munoz is one of our big yeah like there's always people that stand out. She stood out as a player as well, but she's one of those teammates that just welcomes everyone and yeah. When you're two young, like scrawny kids from the country, to have someone to welcome <laughs> the team um, is always helpful. And she, yeah, she did that perfectly, like make you feel comfortable. And that's, I think, how you get the best out of players sometimes. It's that kind of welcoming feel about it. Mm. 
Cool. Um, I read Nicole, you has got a hat-trick in your debut for the Young Matildas against Finland. How did that come about? Did she tell you that before this started? Or no, I read it. It made you ask me this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. Maybe Nicole slipped that in. Carl, please ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> ask our Sharon if she scored the Young Matildas. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were on tour in Italy, um, up in the area where the COVID outbreak was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, just came on and got to play up front. I think at that point I was, I was still trying to work out whether I was a defender or an attacker. And it was a perfect hat trick if someone wants to fix the wiki page. <laughs> 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 Put the head up. Yeah, but back of the head, which is even perfect. That's even more. <laughs> <laughs> like it. I couldn't. Yeah. Look at it. I just remember watching the game, thinking, "Are you joking?" <laughs> <laughs> Where has this been? It's <laughs> one of those days, you know. <laughs> and I guess aside from that, what are some other great moments you guys have both had growing up and um, playing at W League level? Um, I think the stuff you value at the end of the career is like the friends you make. Like there's probably like five or five or so of us who started at Canberra United around the same age. Like we're all about 16. And they're some of the best friends that that I'll have probably for the rest of my life. And, you know, none none of them are still playing. uh, No, none of them are still playing like professional football. So, but we still keep in touch and are good friends. And, um, and getting to share all the wins and the losses with them for most of our Canberra United career was pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say, those good years that you have when you go on a title run or seems like nothing's going to go wrong, all those great games where you thought you were going to lose. Or I think one of the first times we beat Sydney FC is one of my favourite games <laughs> ever. I think it was at Campbelltown. Did you score that goal? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it was just 1-0 or something like that. It was the first time in, like, three oh, years yeah. of W League and we beat Sydney FC and it was just so satisfying. Is there a team of superstars? Well, it mostly still are. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's games like that or moments like that where you walk off and you just know you've done, you've done your best and you've achieved success together as a team, put into practice what you did at training and, and those kind of moments would, have always been my favourite, actually. The team stuff. Yeah, like when, when you try, when you all work together, you get better at something and it comes off Yeah, and it means that you win the game, like like that Perth game we were talking about. Yeah, The way that we set up our defensive shape and stuff like that, we'd been working hard on all year and they barely had a chance in that game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then, you know, it works out in the end. We're, it was a pretty patient brand of football, I would say. Patience and us. Yeah. Parking the bus, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What advice would you have for young players that are wanting to emulate what you got, what you've both done in your career? What, what advice would you have for, for those young players that are out there right now looking for some feedback from you two? Yeah. Um, like mine, it seems like I always feel like it fit, it's cliche, but you have to like have fun and enjoy what you're doing. Like both of us ultimately ended up stopping our careers with football because we weren't enjoying it anymore. (laughs) But, like, if you're a young kid out there and you have aspirations 
you might have aspirations to play for the Socceroos or the Matildas, or you might just have aspirations to play, you know, football with your mates for as long as possible. Um, enjoying it is pretty good advice because, you know, if you enjoy it, you'll want to do it more and you want to put in the hours that are required like, and have the resilience that's required to make it because I don't know what the exact percentage is, but however, it's pretty low how many people, you know, 23 people go to the World Cup from Australia and, you know, you, you have a small chance of making that team. And if you, want to, if you want to make that team, you have to work hard. You have to put in the hours, not just with your team, but by yourself, kicking it against the side of the house, practising the things you're not good at, going for runs, whatever it is. And if you're not enjoying it, you're probably not going to want to put in the hours required to get there. Good advice. 100%. I'd probably say something similar to say about why I enjoyed football, but part of it is, like, you have to uh, control what you can control. Like, there's no point worrying about what everyone else is doing. Like, you have control over whether you can go out and do some extra running or do some extra ball work or all that kind of jazz. You can't control whether someone's going to pick you or not. You can't control whether your teammate's going to track back or not. If you if you enjoy what you're doing, then that's going to go a long way to helping you get better as a player as well. And that's part of it as well as enjoy the process. Like, it's not all about... It's not always about games. It's not always about... Um, finals and all that kind of stuff. It's a bit. It's, a lot of it is about enjoying training and enjoying getting better every day that you can. Cool. Um, we speak about sort of the women's game slowly growing, W League slowly growing, but still not quite there. What What do you think a World Cup in Australia would do to help help grow the game? It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? <laughs> Successful World Cup, even more so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think like if you look at even the last World Cup, uh, Women's World Cup last year, um, it, like it raised the profile of the women's game massively. Like, and the fact, well, I worked on the Optus broadcast, so I got to watch all the games <laughs> and commentate on some of them. And just the interest um, in Australia, it grew massively, I think. And I think it will continue to do so until... So hopefully we get a three World Cup, and I, I can only imagine you know it growing infinitely um, from there. And it's just amazing, even in a couple of years that we've been out of out of playing pro uh, football, how much the conditions have improved for the for the W League and for the Matildas. And I hope that it continues to do that because you know that's what the game needs. If we if we want to be serious contenders for the twenty twenty three World Cup, then there needs to be you know, some investment in the game, um, including, you know, I'm a big, big fan of the W League becoming full home and away. Like, in however many years that we've had it, it hasn't become full home and away. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll be putting my hand up to volunteer, you know. You know how they talk about Sydney Olympics being massive for the volunteers being involved? I'll, I'll volunteer for 2023. I'll show, I'll scan tickets. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I'll really stretch a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we have one common discussion for everyone who comes on. Is we just like to talk about players that you enjoyed watching growing up. So, who are some of the ones you enjoyed watching, male or female? As Ash said before, like anyone from Manchester United, because it's 
can't say that. Better <laughs> 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 Arsenal. For sure. <laughs> but there's that golden generation of Socceroos that I think it was hard to miss to, in that qualifier for Uruguay. So I loved watching um, like Brett Emerton and Mark Paduka and that kind of stuff. They were all up there. But some of the defenders as well were just like rock solid. I loved Craig Moore. He's <laughs> never going to get past. Never going to get past. This is where you see like we look the same, but we're so different. Like I would never consider <laughs> the defenders. <laughs> Oh, that was a great, oh, what a great defensive clearance. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, like I, Nick said, I love watching Beckham and, and Giggs and that for Man United and even Cristiano Ronaldo coming through, even though I could never um, hope to do the skills that he did. <laughs> but, There's only one player that can hope to do the skills he does. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was nice to watch. Yeah, I won't try that one on the park. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, from the from the women's game, even when we were younger, like I remember watching Walshy a lot and Lisa, they were coming through right at the time that they were, sorry, at their peak right at the time that we were coming through. And even at one stage had like a picture of Caitlin Munoz on my school book and I had to... <laughs> embarrassingly tell her that I waited a few years later to tell her <laughs> but um yeah at that time there wasn't that much women's football on the tv unfortunately so a lot of our role models were were male players and I guess you led into the next question nicely are you guys Messi or Ronaldo fans <laughs> I'm I'm a Ronaldo fan yeah it's too. so hard to try and uh, we've got two heavy Messi fans here. So really? Cool. Yeah. Anyone Ronaldo? Yeah, I'm Ronaldo. Yeah. But Messi, Messi started skyrocketing with everyone we're interviewing, and now, yeah, Ronaldo's catching up again. We, we count as two votes, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> who did you go for, Nicole? Ronaldo. Are no, you? it's only one vote. <laughs> <laughs> one vote. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, reckon, uh, do you reckon Messi could do it in Swansea? He could do it anyway. Hey, anyway, yeah. <laughs> he could, but he probably wouldn't want to. No. Just, right. bring, him, bring, him to bring him to Australia if you, for a year. It'd be fantastic. Oh. <laughs> imagine like, Del Piero was massive here. Can you imagine if someone like Messi came as well? <laughs> yeah, no. oh, profile of the game would go berserk. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your time for coming on Regional Football Hub. We certainly appreciate the, the stories you've told. Um, certainly appreciate the advice you've given and we're happy to share your story. So thanks very much for, for being involved. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us. It's always good to share and, and um, we, we love to give back to our roots. So <laughs> it's thanks for the chat. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.